millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Matt Deegan. On the show today, what's the future of the UK audio industry? That's the question we'll be posing to a whole host of media execs here in London, alongside our usual debrief of the week's media news. Well, the general hubbub around me suggests we're on location again. Uh, Yes, we've descended on central London for the Future of Audio Europe conference in association with the media leader. In the wider world this week, we've seen Brexit champion Aaron Banks win one of three appeals against journalist Carol Cadwallader. He's the co-founder of the Leave EU campaign, uh, and he'll be awarded damages as a result. Uh, The BBC's long-trail drama about Jimmy Savile looks like it might finally see the light of day. Steve Coogan, the programme was announced back in 2020 and filmed in 2021, uh, but nothing much has been heard since. Could the broadcaster be stealing itself for a spring launch? And the Chinese government have lashed out on America's ban on officials using TikTok. This, of course, is the Chinese government, which need to remind you bans Twitter, Facebook and pretty much all foreign social media and a chunk of uh, linear media as well. But we're here to ponder the other stories of the week with a particular focus on audio today. With me is Omar Oaks, editor of The Media Leader and formerly of Campaign. You've been hosting quite a few sessions today. Uh, What have been your highlights? Well, the big highlights, we started off the day at Future of Audio by asking the audience what is the one thing that we should do as a number one priority Mm. to sort out audio. No, to, to, to get more commercial investments, ads onto audio. And by far the biggest thing was measurements. We need better to measurement across the whole. So we've just come out of a measurement panel, which Sam was on, uh, with Gemma Lee from Dentsu as well, and it was fascinating. It's actually, um, and S- Sam, you'll get into this, where individually, the audio, the audio industry isn't too bad mm. at measuring, but actually that holistic view is what is lacking. That's what's really holding back. I think you said, didn't you, Sam, that 20% of attention in the industry, of consumers' attention, is on audio, but only 4 to 5% spends are on that platform. So really interesting, a lot more to do. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that in a little bit. Also with me is George Butler, Head of Commercial Marketing at Radio Group Bauer. Um, you must be having a whale of time at the moment with all this greatest hits radio attention. Ken Bruce leaving Radio 2 and off to off to GHR next month. Yeah, there is a lot of buzz right now. <laughs> it's so exciting. So it's obviously starting in April, mm. so pretty much fresh off leaving Radio 2, and there is a lot of excitement. Um, I mean, the greatest hit story over the last few years has been phenomenal. The listener growth has been amazing. So we're just really excited to see the Ken effect and to see how many (laughs) listeners, uh, you know, come over to Greatest Hits as as they, as you know, he's 
biggest radio show in Europe, as you know, Matt. Well, uh, people in Lincolnshire will also be able to get him on FM as it's just been announced that Lynx FM, a local radio station, is going to go digital only uh, to make way for, for GHR uh, and for Ken. Well, I think, you know, that Radio 2 audience is really wanting to follow Ken. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we know that the kind of the, the listening split these days, it's, it's quite heavily digital. So, mm. you know, the majority of audiences have access to all of the stations, mm. or, uh, you know, via the digital platforms, be it DAB, be it IB. So I think, you know, it's, it's another great opportunity for the listeners who want to hear Ken, who mm. have been listening to him on, on Radio 2 loyally for so many decades, to be able to find him um, on their radio, in the car or wherever they might they might be uh, having the box in the corner. So it's it's a great opportunity for for those Radio 2 listeners to come over to Great Hits. Great, and we're also joined by Head of Audio at Good Stuff Communications, Sam Austin. Uh, what's been keeping you busy, Sam, recently? Plenty, plenty. There's lots going on in the audio market, mm. you know, as George mentioned, everything exciting happening at Bow with all the developments with the BBC migrating over, BBC talent migrating over to the channel, uh, podcasts, mm. you know, every week there's a new story or something exciting, a new type of measurement uh, survey, lit, you know, released to the industry. And then digital audio, you know, we're really excited with some of the campaigns we've got live mm. at the moment. Uh, done a really great one recently with On the Beach and Say It Now, so we're really proud of that. So just, yeah, there's plenty to talk about in audio. Uh, well, as we said earlier, a measurement's been one of the hot topics here. Um, Omar, um, one of the things that came up was that uh, media buyers believe that this kind of a lack of podcast measurement is, is holding back spend. But there kind of is measurement. Are, are, they, are they being a bit over the top? Um, I think, as we said before, that on individual channels, there are obviously things that you can do. There are the equivalents of pixel tracking. There are various charts. But actually, I think it comes down to almost an existential thing about podcasts where you've got this huge long tail that's developed and not everyone can be a Joe Rogan, a Michelle Obama, Prince Harry, whatever, and command huge audiences. But actually, we're developing... And it's, it kind of speaks to how podcasts is almost evolving into influencers where mm. people really get to know individual people and they have their own niche topics. But you're not there's no actual system across the industry for getting these podcasts together, for mm. measuring that long tail and actually having what some, one of the speakers at the conference today called phase three of audio measurements, we're actually going to buy against context-specific yes. content. So that's I like think about, that's the about key. About topics and so yeah. or, or saliency with brands so they can, they can target material programmatically. Well, exactly. Like, you, you know, I, I'm on your media podcast, the media leader. We have a media mm. podcast. I've done a lot of B2B podcasts in the past. You know, these don't command huge audiences, but mm. they have hugely highly engaged audiences. Wouldn't it be amazing? if we could actually put them all together and a B2B advertiser could advertise, I want to get all the people in the UK who are really interested in commercial media. Wouldn't that be amazing? And Sam, are you, what are your clients, what questions are your clients asking you about? Should they move their money into podcasts or from a linear radio or from telly? What, what's going through their minds? It's a real mixed bag, to be honest. I think there's a lot of industry focus at the moment, or there has been traditionally, 
in TV mm. and looking at how people have moved from linear to connected TV, whether that's BVOD, SVOD, you know, the likes of Amazon, Disney Plus and things like that, you know, really changing the landscape. So there's been a lot of focus and development and sort of insight into that. And the next thing now is digital audio and how people are listening to linear. And it, it shouldn't be, you know, my opinion is it, it shouldn't be looked at, at at an individual level it shouldn't just be linear versus digital versus podcasts you know it should be all three coming together and you know depending on the brief depending on the client depending on what they want to achieve they shouldn't be mutually exclusive of each other but at the same point not always will all three be necessary so it's a case of trying to come up with that sweet spot measurement or sweet spot ability to be able to show right this plus this will give you this in the same way that you know what they're doing with connected tv you know it's how do we do that for audio but also equally you know show people that you shouldn't look at linear radio just because it's cost efficient you shouldn't look at digital audio just because you can get those audience pixel measurements and you shouldn't look at podcasts just for the you know the DJ. There's, there's, every single thing has it has more than one you know reason to use them. So it's trying to create that ability to navigate the landscape and to be able to show clients, advertisers, you know, here's a holistic delivery. Here's a holistic reasons to why to use X, Y, and Z or just X and Z, and show the results and show the outcomes at the end. I also came up in your session, digital audio or audio is different uh, to some of the other platforms where you get more instant response to the advertising, uh, even for telly, kind of a, a fast response. Whereas radio, you might be listening in the car, you haven't got a click to go somewhere or attribution. I mean, is that a, a, day, is that, uh, a problem sometimes for clients? You want to want to know, does it, has this worked, has this worked? But there's kind yeah. of a radio audio lag. Yeah, no, definitely. It has... It is a problem because, you know, people, especially if you're uh, a client that spends heavily into TV, Mm. that's your level of expectation. You're expecting that immediate response and that immediate result. You know, I played that one ad in Heart Breakfast. I therefore expect to see so many people go on my website and buy it. But the reality is it's a deeper connection. The way that people listen to audio and engage with audio, depending on what platform they're listening or how they're listening, you know, it's all about that emotional response. It's all about that that friend in the room. It's all about that trusted voice that they've grown up with or that they've now decided, you know, they're going to listen to on their daily commute, etc. It's a completely different way of advertising. And I think we have to we have to be careful. We don't want it to be so focused on, on response. Yes, we do want to see delivery, but more so at a top-line, holistic, reach and frequency mm. level, not individual spot level in terms of that immediate that has driven those results. Because I think you get into the danger of then falling into the, you know, the traps that other channels have done. You know, sometimes digital can be too, uh, you know, too focused too on tracked. those. Yes, yeah. So, I, you know, it shouldn't be there. It's finding that happy middle ground. And um, Omar, what what are the agencies saying to you when, when you speak to them about what they what they're after from digital audio? I think, frankly, and I'm looking at um, George from Bauer here. I think they're after the media owners to actually mm. collaborate a bit right, more. Yes. Joint measurement standards. Um, you know, maybe Bauer and Global could get their heads into a room and kind of um, offer something more. And it goes for um, digital audio as well. Um, you know, I interviewed Lee Brown, uh, global head of advertising for Spotify, and there's such a huge global platform now that essentially they can do what they want. Mm. 
and tread the same course that Facebook and Google have done over the years and say to agencies, hey, you know, you specialize on our platform because this is where the audience you want to reach is. But if you're an Acast or an Audio Boom and these other still big but smaller players in the podcast space, you're, it kind of um, it's it's not a great position to be in. Wouldn't it be great if there was actually more joint industry measurement as we've had on Rajar for two decades now? I mean, George, um, radios work pretty closely together in Rajar, Digital Radio UK, Radio Player. Um, is it time to get everyone's heads together to to create something to look at digital audio? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's the it's undeniable the change in the audio landscape mm. over the last, I mean, especially the last decade. Mm. And I think there are very few other media, probably no other media that has had such a rapid period of transformation over recent years. Um, new organizations coming in, really shaping, mm. up the, shaking up the sector. Equally, the big players, Bauer, Global, um, Spotify, etc., heavily investing in digital audio. Mm. So I think it's obviously a really interesting time. There's a lot of investment, a lot of change. So there, there are naturally gonna be you know, things that need to be given a kind of a fresh perspective and a new look. So, you know, I'm going to half answer your question <laughs> there by saying, of course, yeah. it's, it, it's, you know, with this amount of change, mm. new procedures, new routines need to come into play. I mean, the other half is, because there's been a lot of talk about, about the kind of measurement today and, and trust. And, you know, the reality is radio is still a very regulated, very well measured, very trusted media. Mm, mm. From an on-air point of view, it's this stat is rolled out all the time, but it, it is the, UK, the Europe's most trusted media, and every year it continues to be so. Mm. Um, from an on-air point of view, you know that um, Rajar is, is, has been in place for, for years and years and years, and is very well regarded. Mm. Every ad on the air is cleared. Mm. Um, so it, compared to other media, it's still a very trusted safe space for advertisers. Mm. So I, I think it's important to, to remember that as well. Uh, and obviously you guys work quite closely with news in, in Octave, so you sort of pull a lot of your digital inventory um, uh, w w with those. So you're open to collaboration. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Octave's a classic example of it. Obviously we are you know very much investing quite heavily right now in, in digital audio. Um, we've just kind of set up a, a big podcast division, which Lucy Cave is heading, so mm. there's going to be a lot of exciting podcast news coming from Bauer. Uh, and, and obviously, yeah, Octave is powering uh, the advertising for that. Mm. That's with news. So there is plenty of collaboration. And, and actually, you know, radio as an uh, and, and audio as an industry, it is, you know, quite good at collaborating. Mm. There's been big projects, both on air and also kind of, but more commercially, where um, collaborations right at the heart of it, and you know, today we've heard, you know, Radio Centre been brought up time and time mm. again, um, and that's a lovely example of of the commercial sector coming together and investing in something really important for the industry. So, um, you know, collaboration is is a great thing and, and totally something that that you know we support and and we'll be looking to to do more so in the future. Well, obviously, uh, in the radio news this week, some more radio news, uh, some kind of blunt announcements from Radio 2 and LBC this week as both stations attempt to quietly move on uh, long-standing talent. Obviously, we've talked a bit about Ken Bruce uh, fleeing to, to GHR, and, and it seems like that was a bit of a surprise for Radio 2. Uh, they have shortened his notice period, so um, rather than getting three weeks, he gets, he gets a single week. And Steve Allen, who'd been kind of on LBC pretty much for 44 years, uh, his last show was on Friday which he found out after his show it seems not quite sure what, what's going on there but he's kind of disappeared off, off LBC I mean Omar when we look at talent um, it can look pretty brutal to listeners 
can't it, the way that DJs are sometimes dealt with? I think it's it's a really interesting piece of the larger puzzle where you're seeing really interesting things happen with talent all over the mm. place. I think when you look at Vernon Kay taking that slot, you look at these light entertainment presenters on TV, if I can call them that, kind of being parachuted into these slots on radio, where you don't have, I don't know what you think, you don't really have kind of any proper disc jockeys anymore. Mm. And I think what you're saying, and it actually speaks to the measurement piece as well, in terms of how media is kind of, you know, we're at an audio conference, we're talking about audio measurement, but really there are bigger conversations about measurement across the piece, because media's all blending together. The consumers, they kind of don't even look at things as TV or audio. It's kind of just content nowadays. Mm. And I think you're seeing that on the talent side as well, where talent needs to be more multi-platform. And I worry if media owners, as they become more multi-platform, as talent migrates across different platforms, if, if they're not actually being seen to be loyal to that talent, then... Again, coming back to this point about audio being more influencer-led, the talent will be able to command those audiences by themselves. And we've already seen it with Spotify paying, what, $100 million for Mm. Joe Rogan? You know, that gives him a lot of bargaining power if he was to say, okay, well, why don't I do my own TV show on YouTube, for example? Yeah, just to jump in on that really quickly, and I'm not going to get into the the politics of these individual cases, but actually, from a wider point of view, I think you wouldn't get this reaction to presenters kind of being pulled off air or presenters kind of leaving on a shorter notice on many other media. Yes. It just goes to show the connection that audiences have with their favorite presenters, their favorite stations. Mm. It's intimate, it's personal. You feel like you know their lives really, really well. And I think that's why when a presenter leaves a bit quicker than you'd expected or is pulled off air, you feel a bit kind of like betrayed. And it just goes to show how much we care about the role that they play in Mm. our lives. So. I mean, Sam, Radio 2 have probably had to deal with quite a, a lot around Ken. They've made the right decision, haven't they, to, to take, take him off air rather than sort of allowing a load of free publicity for, for, for greatest hits before him finishing on a Friday and starting on a Monday? Yeah, they probably have done the right thing. I mean, it's like anyone in the industry going on gardening leave, mm. isn't it, really? Mm. You know, I... He's doing the right thing. He's obviously following his mate Simon over <laughs> to see, you know, come to quote I mean, You hear Simon's feedback from his transition from BBC to commercial radio, and he's just like the freedom he is given and the ability to talk about what he wants to talk about, the music he genuinely wants to play. I think obviously the BBC, rightly so, has a lot more legislation and mm. sort of red tape around the output of, the, of their stations. And, uh, you and know, it's sort of unusual because commercial radio is sometimes pilloried for being formulaic and churning out the hits and not letting the DJ speak. And the BBC is the home of freedom. Yeah. So has maybe some of that flipped? I think it has. Mm. I think it has because we recognise that uh, and, you know, I, I believe that DJs are the original influencers. Mm. You know, they are the first people out there, really, who you have built these relationships with. You know, not your current Love Island and people like that. It, you know, it is the DJs. You know, you look back years ago, it was Chris Tarrant, all those sorts of people. People worship them. Mm. And I just think that advertisers now when they do the right thing and they buy into partnerships and they buy into platforms they're buying into that talent they want that talent to be authentic they want them to come across on air you know enjoying themselves and being themselves and if you're stringent I have to only speak for a certain amount of seconds I cannot talk about this I must do that I cannot play these songs Mm. you can hear it and I think 
for DJs moving over, they want that freedom. And I know that, you know, speaking to Wireless around Chris Evans, mm. that, you know, he's had the same thing. He's come over and he was like, right, don't want all these ad breaks, don't want this, don't want that. And even now that, you know, there's, they've come, come up with a mixed model for their new partner with Cinch. Mm. You know, it's not the full, you know, 11, 12 minute ad minuteage. It's still, it's only seven minutes. You know, he has control and all right, there's going to come a point where we're going to have to say no to the DJs. <laughs> you know, don't want to ask for too much. But at the same point, it's, I think commercial radio has just done such a good job in the last sort of 10, 15 years, recognising talent. They're, they're getting the talent out to more people as well. So, albeit when, you know, the bigger networks rolled out nationally, when you've gone from Heart being one or, you know, mm. three stations to what it is now, mm. you know, 10.9 million people, the reality is it's drawing in 10.9 million people for a reason. You know, people have bought into these celebrities, these DJs, their friends, and they, they're enjoying what they're listening to. And, you know, you, it's great to be able to approach this talent and say, do you know what, we're thinking about doing this with you, with this client, and the talent go, do you know what, maybe that's not right for me because I, I don't necessarily buy into that client, or actually going, do you know what, I absolutely love that client. You know, I only drink that drink, or I only buy those clothes. So to get that authentic self over and have the freedom on air within within reason and mm. limitations obviously with the right things you don't want to lose brand trust you it is regulated but it's not i just feel like the bbc has lost that i think there's definitely more opportunity with more stations to to play around with that right don't go anywhere guys um have a coffee i'm going to chat to some more delegates and then we'll be back with the media quiz hi i'm here with demi abiola from m6 how are you finding today's sessions um, I feel stimulated by audio. <laughs> I still feel stimulated. I think what, what is lovely coming in here and just talking to people within the industry about, you know, what are the key trends, yes. innovations, what is the future going to be like? So what do you talk to your clients about with audio? What are they interested in? What do they want to know? The benefits of audio currently at the mm. moment, we touched upon it in terms of we are in a cost, cost of living crisis at the moment. Yep. You know, how do we reevaluate media as a whole? Mm. And I think actually, Audio is really, really well placed to try and meet some of those needs. We know that's a great entrance in terms of emotional resonance mm -hmm. with uh, with advertisers. Yep. We know that uh, in terms of being a low cost per thousand entry into the mm -hmm. market. Yes. That's really, really important. The agility that it has in the market. And most importantly, we know that 38 million people listen to radio every week, yes. right? So it's a massive, right, massive coverage builder. So, yeah, for radio broadcasts and for podcasters, obviously we want, they want more money in the audio pot. How do they win it <laughs> everyone, away? Everyone wants more money. How do they win it away from, money. from telly or cinema or mags or other things? I, I, I think, and I touched upon it when I talked, I mm. think it's great that money is going into digital audio, mm. but I think there, there are some concerns that were mentioned in one of, mm. one of the uh, sessions about uh, brand safety. Yes. So, you know, you know, the Joe Rogan example yep. is like, you know, you get what you pay for, right? Yep. Are you happy with that particular type of uh, content to be to be around? So I think that's something advertisers need to be cognizant around. Do you the think that's a challenge for agencies on like a media planning basis where you sort of know from the global and Bauer side that your ads are going to be fine, but you need to think a little bit more about which shows, which groupings of shows uh, ads are going to be placed in? Is that no, more of a challenge for your teams? No, because I think at some point, like programmatically, you will be able to literally determine which type of content you, right. you, you put your uh, podcast through, right? So I think that won't be the challenge. I yeah. think there, there might always be, you know, a hot mic, uh, yeah. as you say. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, 
you would say it's maybe part and parcel of, of that particular mm. uh, genre, isn't it? And that's kind of what you're buying. You're buying authenticity from some of these Absolutely. presenters. Absolutely. I mean, I love the rest of politics. Yes. I, mean, I was banging on about yes, that. Yes, great news agents, right? Yeah. All, all I keep thinking of is BT business, right? Those <laughs> BT business ads in the middle of the rest of politics. BT business. So, you know, obviously something right. works, obviously, because yep. it, obviously there, it, it does resonate mm. with, obviously, the consumers there. So, look, there's, there's going to be risk, mm. um, but I think... That, as I said, that is just part of the genre and part of what, yeah. what, what it's going to be. And I think you can mitigate it slightly because yes. obviously if you don't want to be around content, you obviously that is a little bit maybe risque. Yeah. Then, you know, going content uh, that, that, that isn't. Debbie, thank you very much. Thank you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, I'm here with Jason Brownlee, founder of Color Text. We've just seen you performing on stage at the, at the conference uh, with some great data about uh, ads. This took data from AudioTrack, uh, and they're the guys that send out uh, audio ads to radio stations and podcast companies. So they had a huge, a huge amount of, of material that, that they listened to that you then processed. So what have you, what have you been up to with it? Well, we got this chance to play with a data set that no one's ever seen before, Matt. And um, it's about 13,000 ads that have been transcribed automatically. And uh, within that, we can find a whole bunch of things out. Um, some of the things that are easy to find out is to do stuff like count the number of brand mentions mm. that brands make in their own ads. So how often do they say who they are? And on average, it's about two yep. in a 30-second ad, which, you know, is fine. We don't know whether that's good or bad. It's just <laughs> yep. that's what it is. And it doesn't really vary that much between um, uh, categories of uh, different advertiser. Other stuff that we found out as well to begin with was um, when in an ad people mention their um, brands. Now, this is a question that a lot of brands get very wrought, overwrought about. But on average, I can tell you, it's about 37% of the way into a 30-second ad. Is so when about 10 seconds into a... Possibly, yes, yeah, something yeah. like that. About, your maths is great. You should work <laughs> in research. Um, so about... 
10 seconds in. And so that'll be the first mention. And again, we don't know whether that's good or bad because we didn't quite have enough campaigns from the audio track data set to merge with the big audio data mine mm. data set that the radio center mm. have got. Now, that's a really interesting um, project because that's got a thousand ad effectiveness studies in so it. So they, they've been coding up radio adverts for a yeah. long time and then they've been getting from advertising agencies how well those campaigns did. Yeah, so we've got all of these performance uh, measures and mm. metrics for a thousand ads. Now, we had uh, about 22 campaigns that were in Big Audio Data Mine and Audio Track, mm. which allowed us to do a data fusion. And from that, we thought, well, we've got enough data here to find out about word count. Does it matter? And my goodness me, we, we weren't expecting what we found. And uh, the short story uh, is that if you're putting too many words into uh, an ad, it's degrading creative standout. That's the first real important message to um, take out. And a lot of people would say, well, does creative standout matter? Is that important for uh, brand communication in audio? So we could look at that too, thanks to Big Audio Data Mine. And what we discovered from that data set is it absolutely does. Because the one metric uh, that you can measure on a, an ad in its terms of its creative performance, creative standout that has the biggest relationship, strongest relationship with ad response in the form of driving website visits, creative standout. Yep. So put that all together and we've got this model that shows what happens when you vary up and down the number of words in a model. and you can go anything up to like a 27% drop in your ad response because you put maybe 24 extra words in a, in a 30 second ad. And that can be big, big money. Uh, and this, this does kind of connect to a, a discussion that's always been a, around radio, which is about effort put into creative. Uh, and sometimes audio is uh, the lesser medium with somebody who wants to win loads of awards for amazing cinema ads and not a lot of time put into audio. But actually that audio conversion is so strong, maybe a bit, a few more of the pennies should go that way. Uh, well, I'd agree, and I mm. think um, a lot of creators themselves would agree. But the problem is making a bad audio ad is never a career-limiting moment in any yes. creator's life. However, with TV, mm. if you make a stinker of a TV ad, that's a lot of money, both in terms of media value and creative production. So people always cover their backsides by doing research in TV mm. because the risk is greater. And that means, over time, people learn. You do the research, you learn, you optimize. Mm. And that's a virtuous circle, which has never really occurred in the audio sector mm. because who cares? This is what I think we'd like to break the circle on. And it's, it's quite good to know that you know, good audio ads, or even great audio ads, work. I mean, this is what the data shows, isn't it? If it's well, a great ad and it's focused and it keeps that word count low, and you talked also about other kind of creative elements, obviously there are uh, you know, music and emotion as well, which, which can connect with listeners. Uh, but by being focused, it, it makes all the difference. It does. Um, I think what we've discovered from Big Audio Data Mine is not any particular specific creative attributes, whether it's accents or humor or male or female voices that make the difference. It's too complex to really say that with any certainty. What we have found is creative consistency, where you're basically building memories and you're reinforcing memories over time. I mean, if you've ever worked in a radio station, Matt, you will know it takes about three years to really get people to remember the name of the new breakfast truck. Absolutely. Okay? It takes five to change the name of a radio mm. station mm. anymore. And all the records I've ever tested for radio stations 
you can't really play anything safely until it's got familiarity of 30%. Because people don't like what isn't familiar. Now, if all of that's important for what we go to radio for, which is music and company and personality, why wouldn't that be important for ads? Yes, absolutely. Jason, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Matt. I'm here with Matt Payton, a relatively new CEO of Radio Centre, though you've been there for quite a while. How are you finding the top job? I think the great thing is, Matt, um, having been at Radio Centre for 13 years, <laughs> I'm the new guy, uh, but also the old guy. Yes. Uh, but it's great. You know, I think um, it really feels like you know, this is an industry that's you know, buzzing. Last year we had record revenues, we've got record audiences in commercial radio. Um, we've had a sort of landmark moment last year with commercial radio hitting 50% share. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think everything's moving in the right direction. I think the really interesting thing about today is, is as well how advertisers mm. are able to sort of build on that reach and impact and share of, of traditional radio mm. with digital platforms. Yes. And with the growth in digital listening. So I think that's been a really interesting theme this morning and, and something mm. I want to talk about a bit later as well. I mean, for Radio Centre, obviously there's been a lot of talk about podcasts and sometimes it's seen as a bit sexier and sometimes advertising agencies like a sexier thing uh, for a little while. Where does, where does podcasting fit in with what you guys do at Radio Centre? Are you all about linear or is it broader than that? I think it's definitely broader than that mm. and getting more so. Mm. I think if you look at the investments being made by commercial mm. radio broadcasters, certainly over the last year or so, you're really seeing a step change. I think the news agents is probably the yes. biggest example of bringing over really high-profile talent from the BBC, running a daily podcast that's really become a, mm. a, a must-listen and, and setting the agenda in some ways. So you're seeing that changing, mm. and I think you'll, you'll increasingly start to see that across other categories as well. To be absolutely frank, you know, we're, we're not in the market of representing, you know, the Spotify's or the ACAST yes. and people like that. They can they can look after themselves. <laughs> um, but but in terms of what, you know, uh, broadcasters are doing, mm. of course, they're looking to grow the, the scope of their business and the um, uh, and, and the sort of investments that they're making. So so I think that's where we'll come in. And I think, you know, we're having discussions at the moment with our shareholders about how we can do more to sort of represent the work that they're doing in that area. Mm. So I think there's absolutely an opportunity for us and an opportunity for the sector to do more in that space. I mean, Radio Centre's had a few mentions already this morning, particularly the research work you guys are doing. And what are you speaking about later on? So yeah, it's been great. We didn't need to sponsor today. <laughs> it was, uh, we've got live reads coming from the stage from lots of the speakers. Uh, so, so yeah, so I'll be speaking uh, this afternoon and my sort of heading is about securing radio's future in a mm. tech-filled future. Really, how do we secure radio's route to market in a world where increasingly radio is becoming uh, intermediated by mm. gatekeepers? Yes. Um, and how do we do that? And what are the, what are the opportunities from mm. more the growth in online listening? But what are the risks? You know, what if the platforms at some point in the future start charging for access, inserting their own ads in an unauthorized way mm. um, and, and hoarding the data and using it to, to create services that compete with radio? So, so you know, those are potential risks that I think are acknowledged and the government has said that they will bring forward legislation to be able to deal with some of those threats. So I think I want to set the framework for that this afternoon, talk a little bit about that and talk a little about what needs to happen next. Well, talking about platforms, because uh, of your Radio Centre CEO-ness, that puts you on the board of Radio Player, which is the radio industry's own, own platform. Um, some changes recently with the BBC hot-linking kind of out of Radio Player into BBC Sounds. They're sort of, are they sort of half in, half out? Look, I, I don't think so. I think there's been a, a, of course, it's not 
particularly helpful and mm. I think the headlines maybe have slightly overemphasized what's happening there. Mm. I, I mean, a year or so ago, there was a discussion about increasing the investment in Radio Player to mm. drive its strategic work about securing radio's place in vehicles. That absolutely remains the plan and fingers crossed we're on the cusp of a, uh, a detailed agreement which mm. will unleash that investment and so actually Radio Player will be able to do more yes. collectively both between commercial and BBC mm. and, and in the UK and beyond in terms of engaging with motor manufacturers to secure the place of radio on the new dashboards yes. and connected cars and hybrid cars. Now. You know, the, the app itself, which is where Radio Player kind of started, mm. is becoming, I guess, less important overall in the, in the mix of what Radio Player does. And I guess the BBC's decision mm. reflects that. But I think as an entity and as a forum for joint discussion and engagement with the car companies, then, then Radio Player is mm. as important as ever. I mean, distribution is a big challenge for everybody, isn't it? I mean, particularly from the smart speaker manufacturers. Uh, I have uh, a radio station that appears on my Google Home each morning that suddenly stopped working. I know what will happen because it's happened before. It will pop up again. It's not a great listening experience, and we're sort of stuck at the mercy of, of Amazon and Google, aren't we? Exactly. And I think, look, we, I think there's a solution to that, and I think we're working with the government and Ofcom at the mm. moment about how that might work. It needs to be, it needs to work for everybody. Yeah. To be fair, and those relationships, on the whole, have been really good and mutually mm. beneficial. And so, what, what I think we're we're moving towards is probably a set of principles and perhaps a, a sort of ground rules that sit there. A bit like they do with public service television yes. and the prominence and access of television. Um, that means that you know if their things start to, to go wrong and if there isn't fair play or if there's particularly you know some some issues, mm. then there's powers for the regulator to step in. I think that's going to be really important mm. in the future. You know, for commercial radio, uh, we're already at 28% of, of listening coming through online yes. platforms. Yes. You know, that's a, pretty much as big as FM. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a massive shift that's going on in terms of consumer behaviour. Mm. And so I think you know having those set of ground rules that sits there and ensures that the radio experience for audiences and for advertisers continues to be secure is going to be really important. Great. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, Matt. Good to see you. And we'll be back with George, Sam and Omar after this. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sam, Omar and George are here and they're going to be playing the media quiz. Right, this week it's entitled Name That Headline. I have a number of headlines here in front of me and you have to say how many words it will take you to guess what the story is. So I'm looking for the lowest number of bids of words. 
Oh, to guess, to guess the headlight. Um, ten. So okay, that's it. Omar's in with ten for number one. <laughs> okay. Who wants to bid lower than ten? Is there a picture clue or anything? No, no clues. No clues. Uh, I'll go eight. Eight. Oh. eight. <laughs> go on, George. Well, shall I be interesting? Shall I say seven? Seven. Yes. Okay. okay. I still think seven's quite high. But anyway, here we go. Right. Is it even so, seven George. Be embarrassing. Luckily, it is a slightly longer headline. George, uh, I'm after the story. Uh, let's name that headline in seven. Rupert Murdoch testified that Fox News hosts. What's the story? <laughs> Maybe I should have gone ahead. Um, what's, can you say it one more time? Uh, Rupert Murdoch testified that Fox News hosts. My guess is, is it, is it something to do with the, the story around uh, the access the Fox News hosts had to text messages from. Um, a republic the guy that runs the Republican Party in America about it, the crashing. It's close. It's is close. close. Is that oh. uh, Omar Sam, can uh, any of you answer this question? Omar. I know the story. Do I have to guess the headline? No, you can just tell me the story. Um, so I, I, I assume you're talking about um, this um, this this um, civil suits by Dominion, the voting machine company in the US, against Fox News, and it appears that Fox News hosts knew that the whole thing was BS, that mm. Trump, the election wasn't stolen for Trump, there was nothing wrong with these machines, and um, Rupert Murdoch was actually deposed this week, and he basically, because he's under oath, had to tell the truth, and it's basically come out that uh, he, I think there was a quote he said, "I could have done something, but I didn't," so quite starting. Revelations, and they're going to be on the hook for what 1.6 billion dollars? 1.6 billion, and potentially um, punitive damages above that. Uh, so the headline was: Rupert Murdoch testified that Fox News host endorsed stolen election narrative. All uh, right, headline number two. Um, uh, a lot of experience there from George's first uh, go. We'll see. What you say? Sam and I are up against. A media journalist here. I feel like a bit of a handicap. Well, we'll, we'll see how you do on uh, uh, headline number two. Um, bits. I want bits better than seven this time. Sam. Six and a half. Six. Oh, okay, six. <laughs> Omar. I have to go five now, don't five. I? Five. George, are you going to stick seven, it? Seven. <laughs> seven. Okay. Uh, we're, we're with Omar then. Uh, it's gone with five. Hundreds of BBC journalists are... Sad not to be working at the media leader. <laughs> uh, the striking, they're always striking. There's a strike. Correct, correct. Oh. striking. Uh, the line, hundreds of BBC journalists to strike on uh, spring budget day over local radio cuts. I mean, Sam, this is, again, this is about media change, isn't it? And BBC local radio stations are changing how they do local, bit of regional, and putting some of the money into digital. Clearly, local radio staff, not very happy. It is really sad, and I mentioned it earlier. Like you, you know, you saw this with the heart and the, the you know, the, the capital rollouts. Obviously, a lot of journalists and local talent suffered at the consequence of it. But in the end, it was for the greater good. Like for the greater good for the product, maybe not so for the people. Very yes. controversial. Uh, it is a shame. It is, a, you know, unfortunately, it's the way we're going, and everyone has to keep up with the times and. Sorry. Yes. Um, I mean, George, uh, obviously, as Sam was saying, commercial radio has shifted. But like, audiences are up. Uh, and I think everyone has a lot of fondness for, for local radio. But the way people are consuming radio is changing and moving a bit away from that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you, you look at the, the audio market and you look at what digital has done. 
Um, yeah, obviously there's a lot of changes, but equally, you know, specifically in radio, it means greater choice. Uh, and that could be on a national level, it could be on a local level. There are still great examples of really strong local stations. And obviously, as Sam touched upon earlier, there's these brilliant, massive, especially in the commercial sector, uh, national brands as well. So, you know, there's been, it's created brilliant opportunities um, kind of in both ends of the spectrum. And obviously, BBC Local Radio has still got a really important role and it's, you know, still a really uh, vital thing for many communities yeah. and they, you know, they do a brilliant job um, at, at these stations. So I think that's the interesting thing about the kind of the digital transformation in radio is that it's created some fantastic opportunities, both real small, you know, with the, with, with the micro... Um, licenses as well on DAB. Yep, so small-scale DAB community stations. Super, yeah. super small stations to kind of be able to operate as well. So it's really both ends of the spectrum. These great big national brands and these really, really hyper-local um, stations. So that's what that's the other kind of element that digital has been able to do for the radio sector. Uh, okay, uh, headline number three. Uh, this is either for Sam or George to try and win back some some respect from uh, the, the media community. Now, now. Do you want to go first or second, Sam? Sam, go on. You go first. Four. Four. Oh, go three. Go three. Okay, here we go, George. Uh, industry pays tribute. Ooh. Oh, well, I mean, that could be to anything. Industry pays tribute. Yes. To. Yes. John Motson. Yes, correct. Oh, legend. Absolutely. You've, you, you've, you've, you've dragged it back. I mean, you're, you're a big football fan. Massive. Um, I mean, John Motson, uh, huge, obviously, huge BBC commentator and did a bit on commercial radio uh, as well um, and really made it his own. The voice of football mm. for many, many, many people for decades. We, we talked a lot today about the power of voice. Well, there's not many mm. greater examples of, of the emotional impact that voice can have than, than Motti. Um, and you know, played such. You know, foot, the football is a multimedia product, and yep. it's changed so much over the decades. And he's kind of, you know, right from the start of, of that journey to you know, obviously modern day, he's been involved in it. Um, so an absolute broadcast legend, and yeah, obviously we'll all miss him on match of the day. Very sad. Uh, well, um, uh, well done on that, George. Uh, you pulled it back. Uh, Omar, you're the winner. Uh, and well you, done, Omar. And you, win, and you win the ability to reorganise audio measurements. So off you go uh, <laughs> to do that. Uh, thanks to Sam, George and Omar. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Uh, as you know, we're on location uh, and doing stuff like this does cost a few pennies, which is why we encourage you to go to our Patreon and become a patron uh, of the Media Podcast. Just go to patreon.com slash mediapod. That's patreon.com slash mediapod. Uh, and by signing up, you also access a whole trove of extra audio to fill any long car journey or dog walking. And remember, you can always listen to the show on any of the myriad of podcast apps. Just search for The Media Podcast. Um, or alternatively, just tap in podfollow.com slash The Media Podcast and we'll take you somewhere useful. My name is Matt Deegan. The producer was Matt Hill with support from Phoebe Adler-Ryan and it was a Rethink Audio production. We'll see you next week. Music